Good morning and welcome to this new Holistic Wholeness show from Barbara and Dawn. This month's show is talking about self-care. And you know what? Self-care is not selfish. We'll be discussing the importance of me, my time, and how to focus on your life, how that will not only benefit you, but also the people around you. You know, self-care is essential in life. It really is. Um, we often give away to other people. We often um, give everything we've got on an energetic level, on a health level, on a personal level to somebody else. And we very rarely focus on ourselves. And you know, I found a fantastic quote online from a lady called Audrey Lord. And she said, self-care is not about self-indulgence. It's truly about self-preservation. And Christopher Germer said, self-compassion is simply giving the same kindness to ourselves that we would give to others. So Dawn, what do you think self-care is for you? Um, I think essentially it's about putting yourself first and like you say it's it's not about being selfish um, but it's about knowing your limitations your boundaries and honoring those um, I mean I was looking at the world health uh, definition of self-care and they were one of the first people to or organizations to produce um, definitions on self-care and what they said is it's what people do for themselves to establish and maintain health prevent and deal with any illness. So in its broadest concept, it's about hygiene, nutrition, lifestyle, uh, which obviously is things like um, uh, activities and recreation and so on, the environmental factors like social living habits and uh, income and culture, but also self-medication. And a lot of the definitions that I looked up for self-care were to do with medication and medical intervention but for me I think it's not about medical intervention so much as preventative steps so it's about taking responsibility for your well-being as a whole so that's mentally spiritually and physical um, it's about how we allocate our time and in fact that's you know next month's show isn't it yeah. um, it's what we do for pleasure and to create that sense of purpose because we know, you know, if we think about Maslow's hierarchical theory that having a sense of purpose is very, very important. But how we choose to spend our time and, and who we do it with. So basically, I think it's about having that emotional and spiritual intelligence to understand that actually perfectionism isn't the goal. The goal is to be happy, healthy and peaceful. Um, but actually to know that we already have all those resources that we need internally um, and that our happiness and peace of mind isn't dependent on stuff or others for us to, to create that state. Um, which reminds me of a, a quote from um, Steve Baraboli um, that the most powerful relationship we'll ever have is the one that we have with ourselves. So I think that's a good starting point, actually. I think it is. And I think, I mean, there was something else when you were talking about um, Maslow that came to mind, and it was yeah. the Parento um, statement. 
you know, 80% of our time and 20% of our time. Mm. And when you consider that probably if we were looking at it in relation to 80% of our time, it's probably given to everybody else. And 20% of our time is probably given to ourselves. Yeah, if we're lucky. I was going to say, if you're lucky, I know for me at the moment, it's probably 95% is given to everybody else. And that little 5%, you know, I snatch and I grab every now and then. Yeah. And I think, you know, people who give, self-care is a big issue. It's a big problem. And it's something that we don't do very well. And I think people like Steve Maraboli is right. You know, it is a powerful relationship that we, we disrespect some days. We just don't even think about it. Mm. And I caught myself recently this week saying, you know, my partner has had an operation. He's come through it. It's brilliant. New puppy at home that we're looking after. And I eventually said to him on Monday, now that you're recovering, now that you're getting back to being able to do things and, you know, do things for yourself after this operation. Now that pup has settled down and the two cats are sort of settling down with a new puppy in the house, I'm going to start looking after myself. Mm. And he looked at me and said, what? And I said, I haven't even thought about me in the last three months. Yeah. And aren't we all like that? Is there's, there's so much happening around us that we don't think about us as somebody who's part of that equation. Mm. So for me, and I actually remember um, being challenged in one of my workshops on this years ago, when one of my students said, um, if I focus on me, aren't I making myself selfish? Mm. And I can remember saying to that student, if you are making yourself selfish, and not living your own life, whose life are you living and who is going to be living your life? Mm. And isn't that true of this as well? I mean, as much as the 80-20 rule, you know, that goes, should 80% of our time be spent focused on us? Probably not. But shouldn't we be focusing more like that on us as well as everybody else, not just on them? Mm. I mean, I think there's a couple of issues there. Um, one is cultural and one is gender. Um, I mean, traditionally, historically, women have always been the nurturers, the one who looks after the, the finances of the household, puts poop, provides the food on the table, looks after the men. And, you know, even though today most women have other jobs uh, we still try and do all the traditional stuff like running the household, raising yeah. the children, making sure our partner is happy, etc., etc. So that means there is very, very little time or energy uh, left for us. But for some people, Barbara, they don't have a choice because it's still a cultural issue. I accept that and I agree with, with you. I mean, some people it is a cultural issue and some people do have to, you know, look after everybody else. Mm. But when you're looking after everybody else, what's stopping you adding yourself into that equation? Oh, I guess the, the two things that come up is there's no time left and there's no energy left. But if we were to look at it, and I'm, I know we're talking about time next month, yeah. but if we were to look at it as, you know, um, 
not looking at looking after the family, i.e. excluding myself, uh-huh. what if we were to suddenly start thinking about looking after the family? That also includes me. Yeah. So I'm not looking at it from taking extra time or extra focus. I'm thinking, well, you know, if I need to do this for this child and I need to do this for this dog and I need to do this for this person and I need to go and do the washing up and I need to go and do the washing and I need to do the ironing, and but I'm included mm. in that list of things. I'm not the person looking at what I need to do for everybody else. I think that's important, actually, because I have come across some women who come across as martyrs Mm. They are running themselves ragged. They're making a rod for their own back. They're doing everything for anybody else. But they're not doing it in a nurturing, loving way um, for them or the others. They're doing it as a martyr. And, you know, that's just going to turn you inside into bitterness and victim. And that is the complete opposite of what we're what we're talking about here because it's not about being selfish or completely selfless to the detriment of yourself it's about that balance and you know it it takes time and you have to have some good habits uh to put yourself at the top of the list so maybe we should perhaps discuss what happens if you don't put yourself at the top of the list because normally I think if we did a poll Barbara most people would say uh, particularly women they are at the bottom of the list yeah so if you put that on its flip side and said okay so uh, what would happen if you were at the top and why you should be at the top and what would be the benefits maybe people will start to see things differently well I'm not sure it should be at the top and I feel as though I'm going to be devil's advocate here (laughs) (laughs) you know me Um, I actually feel that everybody in that environment because it's not only in the household it's at work it's in social life it's everywhere Um, I think everybody should be equal Mm. so I think that you know instead of thinking about and I mean this does go back through the the years and the ages and yes it's still true of some cultures today where you know, that the woman may be seen as a second-class citizen. Um, and I know we're probably going to get people complaining about those words, but I'm not talking about them, you know, as that, but just as seen as that. Mm. Um, you know, maybe it, it's that sort of thing. And instead of that woman feeling as though she's hard done by, she's a martyr, you know, maybe she should start to think about herself as... I'm part of this family. I'm equally as important as everybody else. So, you know, I know in some cultures the male child is is incredibly important. Um, And they're the ones who are going to be taking over the family wealth and the family business and the family this and the family that. But it doesn't mean that the others in that family are any less important. No. They may all have the same level of importance, just have a different role or responsibility. And we're saying she and housewife and what have you, but today there, I mean, there are quite a lot of house husbands and yeah. men who will probably be able to relate to this, that exactly. you know, they are the ones who don't have any time or energy to look after themselves. You know, they've become the house husband. They've yeah. given up their 
their weekly squash with the boys or whatever. They just don't have time or energy for these things. So it doesn't matter. It's not a gender thing. It's, it's, uh, it's whoever is running the show who no longer recognizes their own needs for some me time um, and is running themselves ragged looking after everybody else as a consequence and it doesn't need to be like that. No, I agree with you. I mean, it was interesting because um, Ralph Waldo Emerson, who has some fantastic quotes that people mm. use, mm. actually said, and I think this is a really, really important one that people need to think about. Um, and we'll talk about some exercises later that will really help with thinking about things like this. But, you know, nothing external to you has any power over you. And that nothing external is, you know, the people in your family, the people who you work with, your friends, your parents, your siblings, it, 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 the environment you're in, the home you live in, all of that element, all of that area has no power over you. But, you know, we allow it to. And it's us who's allowing it to. Yeah. And that brings me into, you know, we always talk about a wheel of life. Yes. Um, in wholeness you know this whole wheel and for this show we've got a wheel of life that has peace of mind which covers things like forgiveness so not only forgiving others but what about forgiving ourselves mm. gratitude being grateful to others and to other things but also being grateful to ourselves yeah. appreciate ourself have respect for ourself have compassion for ourself Thinking healthy, positive, self-nurturing, non-judgmental thoughts about ourselves. Mm. Spirit, which comes back to me time, meditation, visualization. I mean, for me, me time is one of the keys to, to self-care. Yeah. Because if you haven't got any me time, and it, can only, it, it only has to be something like five minutes a day. But if you haven't got that me time, you can't come down. There's the physical body as well, fitness, nutrition, fresh air, quality, sleep, water, you know, um, food, all these areas that, you, that you, we have to think about when the physical body. There's also the connection between the physical body and the communication. So there's a fabulous quote somewhere that said, talks about treating others um, to treat you the way that they would like to be treated. Um, and in that communication, there's also the area of self-talk. You know, how do we treat ourselves? Because yeah. if we're beating ourselves up all the time, and I know we, we keep talking about self-talk, but it's so key to a lot of areas of ourselves. Mm. Then there's the activities. Now, the activities have to have a variety. You know, if you're really feeling as though, well, it's drudgery, I get up in the morning and then I have to do the chores and I have to go to work and I come back and I have to do the chores... And there's no fun to life. There's no opportunity then to look after yourself. And there's your environment. You know, is that environment self-caring enough for you? Have you chosen that environment? Loads of great questions around that. Then there's freedom. Now, freedom comes in a lot of aspects. Freedom doesn't have to just be financial freedom. It can be freedom to be you. It can be freedom to have time for you. It can be freedom to be self-caring for you as well as others. So as much as I'm focusing on you, the person, bearing in mind that this is self-care about you, that's the reason I'm doing that. It's also, you know, freedom to care about others, 
but freedom to care about you too. And actions, and the biggest one, and, and you know, as a coach and a mentor, I, I hit this one quite frequently. It's honoring your own boundaries. Um, I have a number of classic uh, examples of this in my clients who, you know, are starting up their own businesses. And I often say to them, you can choose your own clients. Mm. And it's quite shocking to them. They go, really? But mm. what about the financial income? What about the income stream? And then we have, I have to talk to them about their, their boundaries. You know, this is the type of client you want to work with. So why are you choosing somebody to work with who's not that type of client? Mm. Why have you put a boundary in place and then you're prepared to break it? You know, um, I, I can remember um, I used to be a member of a Rotary Club in the UK years ago and dealing with the Women's Refuge. And some of those women, you know, who'd been in these relationships for years how did they break out of it? They never understood that they could put up their own boundaries. And it's, mm. it, it's a hard one. I mean, I know from my own personal experience how to put up a boundary. Mm. Um, you know, actions are things like learning how to say no. Yeah. And it's, it's, for me, that's also a big one. You know, self-care is actually, I think, the underlying strap line, if I was marketing this, maybe learn how to say no. Mm. Because we don't know how to do that. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? Because that's, that's the word in the first formative years that we hear more often than any other word. And yet, as we grow up, it's not a word we're comfortable saying ourselves. And I think yeah. this is... This links into the, some of the differences, particularly from a gender point of view, of being assertive or, or being perceived to be assertive or aggressive. Men typically are assertive, and women, if they're doing the same thing, tend to be labelled aggressive yeah. uh, just because they're determined to be treated equal and have their boundaries met. So it, it, it's in you know you talk about it being the word that we hear most frequently in our formative years, and it's true we do. Mm. And I became very, very aware of that. Um, our puppy's been with us eight weeks now. And in the first two weeks, I found every word was nope, nope, nope. And I eventually said to somebody, I'm always saying no, gee, it sounds so negative. Yeah. So I've come up with a different way of doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think we can do that. Yeah. And it, it's really interesting because often when you're looking at self-care, we're saying no to ourselves. Yes. And are we doing it consciously or unconsciously? Mm. But we often don't have time to practice self-care because we're too frightened of the conflict of saying no to others. Yes. And that's actually a big one that we, we will talk about later this year. Mm. Mm. Um, the impact on others, the impact on relationships. Particularly if it's a toxic relationship, Barbara. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, you don't know, often you don't know how to say no. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, as I said earlier, I mean, I, I found myself saying no. And, I, you know, for me, no is a, an alien word. It's not something I like using. It, to, mm -hmm. it sounds so negative. It sounds so, oh, you know, you're being naughty type thing. 
But when you've got a young pup or a young child around, I mean, how do you say you can't do that because you're going to be naughty or hurt yourself or burn yourself or something? Um, and there are many ways, many, many ways of learning how to say no. Mm. And it was brought home to me years ago, a few years ago, when I was talking to another coach I know very, very well. And we were talking about this thing about choosing your own clients. And this coach agrees with me. You can choose your own clients. And I said, well, how do you say no to somebody when they say, you've been recommended, I want to be working with you, I want to be doing this. And you're thinking, oh, but I don't want to be working with that person. But mm. they've been recommended to me. Mm. And this coach said, my response is, I don't have availability right now. I can put you on the waiting list. And as soon as there's some availability, you know, going through my waiting list, I'll come back to you. Mm -hmm. But if you want to deal with that goal right now, let me recommend another coach. Yeah. Isn't that saying no? Yes. Yeah. Because most people go, oh, uh, well, uh, I want to do it now. Mm -hmm. And please, can I have the other coach? Yeah. So whether that person, that coach had a waiting list or not, and I happen to know she does have one, but... Um, you know, whether you have that waiting list or not, it's a nice way of saying no. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. And isn't that what we've got to do? Mm. You know, no, I'm not going to do that for you right now. I need to do something for me mm -hmm. without saying no. <laughs> yeah. So right now then, bearing in mind you've had three months of change at home, looking after Richard and, uh, and everybody else, what, what do you think is missing from your self-care regime if you had the time and energy what would you want well it, it it's a fabulous question because with um sky our puppy arriving eight weeks ago richard having an operation four weeks ago or three weeks ago uh, whatever just seems like months ago now um the cat's not settling down to a new puppy and obviously having to consider all of that yeah, forget um, all of those. That wasn't the question. I want to know what you I'm getting to the question. You would say to me, that's all excuses, Dawn. <laughs> Which I'm entitled to say to you. Um, yes. No, no, but when I take all of that into account, and it suddenly yeah. dawned on me on uh, earlier this week, um, I think it was on Monday this week, when I said, you know, I need to start looking after me because mm – -hmm. With all of that, plus trying to work full time, yeah. which I do, yeah. um, you know, thankfully work for myself. So I don't have to be in an office at nine and leave at five type thing. But I still need to do those seven hours a day. Um, when you take all of that into account, something happens when you suddenly realize, hey, I'm not looking after myself. Yeah. And as much as what I'm aren't you doing? Up, what aren't you I'm doing? Get, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, as much as I'm used to looking, I'm, I'm used to looking after others, and I'm a giver. The one thing I became very aware of 30 years ago when I had a spine operation was I had to look after myself. Mm. There's nobody who can do that for you. Mm. And I normally take myself off um, once every two or three weeks, and I'll go and have a massage, or I'll go and have my nails done, mm. or I will go um, when I used to live closer to the coast. I'll go for a walk along the beach. I'll go and find somewhere that I can meditate. And when you suddenly realize you're not doing the things that you've set that are your time, your self-care bits, mm. 
you've got to find a way of bringing them back in. Mm-hmm. And my first thing was not to say no to the family around me here, but to say, okay, guys, it's all settling down. Now it's my turn again. Mm. And, you know, last week I took myself off for an hour and a half. Mm. And nobody knew where I'd gone. I had the mobile, so if they needed me urgently, but I wasn't going to tell them because it was my time. And they, I didn't want them to say, oh, can we come too? <laughs> it was like, I'm going, guys. Bye. Um, and sometimes you have to actually do that. You have to break away from the environment. Mm. Um, and I'm doing more and more of it now. But I, I, the first thing I did is I told the family. You know, I actually said to them, now that everything's settling down here, I'm going to start looking after myself again. So um, in hindsight, would you have, or let me rephrase that, in hindsight... What could you have done differently so it didn't get to having to wait three months before you had any me time? Well, hindsight is a great thing. Mm. But sometimes you have to just give. Mm. And I know that. You have to give to people around you. But as long as when the time is right and you can't leave it too long. Mm. I mean, for me, you know... I'm on the border of it. Is this too long? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that normally I have my back treated once every six months. So that's my barrier. You know, my boundary is six months and, and I'm, I'm doing something for me, something major. Um, but I also appreciate that sometimes, I mean, you had that experience, Dawn, with, with Robert. Mm. You know, you had to give to him over that period of time. Yes. You have to stop thinking about yourself. You know, it's, it, it's really hard and you have to give everything you've got to that person or, or to that whatever that's happening around you. Mm. But it doesn't mean you don't think about yourself. You have to then put the stake in the ground that says, this is when it turns around. This is when it comes back and, you know, I start looking after me again. Mm. Um, and I mean, you've been through it. You know, you know what I'm talking about when I say you have to just suddenly give. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes me, it's without planning. Yeah. Without understanding that it's coming. I think it was nearly two and a half years, certainly two years, somewhere in between two, two and a half years where I, I realized that I hadn't really done anything for myself because yeah. I'd been fairer. Um and I'm sure that's for me was when I really started to um, reevaluate what I need to do little things on a daily basis. So it wasn't just about having the time to go off on a meditation or a Buddhist retreat for a couple of weeks, which I hadn't been able to do in that, that two years. But it was the fact that instead of waiting to do something big um, and monumental like being away for a couple of weeks meditating is to perhaps do something small on a daily basis like meditating for five minutes at home Uh, so putting into place positive daily habits because I think I don't know about you Barbara but if I don't do things for me and one of my things is periodically I just need a bath light some candles play some music shut the door 
if I don't do the sort of me time things, I don't feel such a nice, good person to be around. I start to get irritable. <laughs> For Robert, it would be if he doesn't go to the gym and get a really good sweat. If he misses that because he likes to go every day, if he misses a couple of days, he starts to get irritable. And I say, go to the gym, burn your beans. Yeah. And, you know, then everything's fine. So we do need to think not just about the bigger. No, exactly. You know, meditation or a back treatment or whatever. It's positive daily habits that keep us sane and balanced that are important. Absolutely. But I think the biggest thing, Dawn, is, I mean, you and I are actually, as much as we give, we're actually quite good at thinking about ourselves. Yeah. But there's a whole load of people out there who it's never even crossed their minds yes, that yeah. they're equally as important as everybody else, that actually they need to do something for themselves. Yeah. And I can remember years ago for what was then my local chamber of commerce running um, a group, uh, running a workshop for a group of people. And the workshop was, you know, I just qualified as a coach and it was going to help them focus on something they wanted to do. Mm. It didn't have to be a, a big goal. It just had to be something they wanted to do. And I can remember one guy coming into the, the workshop and we were talking about generally, you know, what one thing have you wanted to do that you've always put aside that you've put away, that you've not done. Mm. And this guy sort of said, can I share something? You know, we'd agreed that everything in that room was confidential, so it didn't matter what he shared. Nobody was going to share it onwards. And he said that he'd just turned 65 and he'd been told he had to retire. Mm. Not asked. He ran his own business. Um, and one of his clients had said, oh, well, we need to look for somebody else to work with us because you're about to retire. And he said, I didn't know how to handle it. Um, and we started talking about what was the one thing he really, really wanted to do with his life. And he said he was already doing it. And that was his business. Mm -hmm. And it was the reason that at around about the age of 50, he'd given up working for an employer, gone out into his own. Because there was this one area of consultancy he loved working in. It was his hobby rather mm -hmm. than a business. And he'd converted it into a business. And here he was being told by others that he had to give it up. And how did he not do that? So we came up with a, a plan, you know, as part of the workshop to help him do it. But it was really interesting because here was somebody who'd actually started to think about himself years ago. Yeah. Um, found a way to do it. Okay. Maybe a little bit more than, you know, some of us have an opportunity to do or want to do um, by being able to do it seven, seven hours a day, five days a week. But he loved doing this and he was now being challenged by others not to do what he wanted to do, not to think about himself, not to have some self-caring in place. Um, and I, I can remember talking to him about what did his wife think? And he said, um, his, when he'd gone home and he'd said to his wife, they want me to give up working because I'm retired. And she said, please don't. Because she knew that if he did give up that thing that he loved doing, he'd have nothing left. So sometimes it's also about that one thing that you love doing. Mm. So, you know, you talk about Robert loving um, to go to the gym, you know, and he, he feels that's a bit of self-care and self-time for him. 
Mm. And he loves doing it. Yeah. So it's, it, and, and sometimes that thing you love doing may not be healthy um, in as much as it may not be fitness driven or nutrition driven or something like that. It may just be something that's going to lighten your mind mm. and give you some time back for you, like photography or gardening. Or well, my weekly painting class have taken up for me. Absolutely. You know, so, so although we're talking about self-care and there's this obvious, well, this is healthy, this is, you know, to do with am I eating properly, am I drinking enough, mm. um, am I fit enough, am I, you know, mm. it's not only about that, is it? It's also about the time you, you need to take out for you doing what you want to do. Well, I think that's why the, the, wheel of the, the wheel of life that you were discussing earlier, because self-care is unique to everybody. But Absolutely. the headings that we came up with, like peace of mind, uh, spirit, the physical, yeah, you're right. People typically think when you talk about self-care, you're talking about, well, lose some weight, get fit, eat better, etc. But we're not. All of those components that you've listed in the wheel of life um, are part of creating self-care yeah so for for somebody self-care might be how do they create a little space that's sacred special to them to do their meditations yeah and so on so it, it will be any number of those things in that wheel of life that I know we put a different one up um, every month relating to the show but it's not going to be all of those things and for some people it's not going to have anything to do with the, the fitness and the nutrition for a lot of people, that has a part, um, but they might already be being fit and healthy, but they might be completely neg neglecting um, me time from a meditation point of view. Yeah. Or, yeah. As, as we said, you know, creating a, a space, a nice quiet space to sit and read, something like that. Now, I mean, exactly. And I mean, for me, especially right now, um, you know, my day is full. I get up early in the morning and I start puppy and then cats and then house and, you know, full, 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 full. Um, I can remember Richard at one point saying, why are you reading at quarter to one in the morning? Mm. It's like, you know what? That's my five minutes. Mm. And I love reading. Mm. And as long as, you know, the authors keep producing the books I love reading, that's fine by me. Thank mm. you very much, authors. Um and that five minutes, and whether I go to sleep reading it, whether I read a sentence or I read a paragraph or I read a chapter or I read a whole book, it doesn't matter. But actually, I love reading. I always have done since, you know, a, a young, being a young child. And the fact I can just pick up my iPad or my Kindle or my mobile and just read is something for me. It takes me away from... Everything else I've been doing, all the phone calls, the emails, you know, the businesses, the websites, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and it just, it just gives you that, that two minutes or three minutes of time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people say to me, why are you up at one, one o'clock in the morning? Well, I have the bathroom break for the puppy. So mm -hmm. I'm there for that reason. And I love it because mm -hmm. there's no phones ringing. There's no Skype chat coming in. Nobody knows I'm around. Um, People know that I'm doing it, but they don't even think about contacting me, which is fantastic. <clears throat> I can deal with emails. I can deal with whatever I want. But I do take that five, ten minutes 
just before I go to sleep and I do that reading. Mm. I, I mean, some people might say, oh, but I, I, I have my me time. I have my escapism when I watch uh, yeah. soap in the evening. It's not the same thing. That's a different sort. That's, that probably is more escapism than what yeah. I would call me time. Me time is about showing your mind, body, spirit, physical body, whatever, some nurturing, some healing, yeah. some self-respect. And all of those things build self-esteem and make you a more confident person and a nicer person to be around. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the, the important thing is that, you know, you can, everybody can find five minutes. Yeah. It's whether everybody chooses to find that five minutes. Yeah. And, and I know for me, if I'm lost in the story of a book, I'm, I'm relaxing. Mm. I'm letting my body relax. I'm letting my mind relax. I'm letting my intuition do whatever it wants to do. I'm, you know, I'm letting the spiritual side of me go. Mm. Um, and I'm going into that story. Mm. And I'm letting the rest just, just completely you know, disappear with the day. Mm. And in some ways, it's a little bit of a meditation. But it's not a meditation as in letting my mind settle. It's a meditation as in going into somebody else's story for a while that takes me away from what I've been doing all day. Mm. Um, it, it's easy to do if, and this is the big if, you choose to do it. Mm -hmm. And for those people who don't think about it, now's the time to really think, do I want to do this? Mm. And I know you've got a great top tip, Dawn, for everyone. Mm. It's about taking time out some people would say it's uh, smelling the coffee or smelling the roses um, whatever but um, I love uh, the, the quote doing nothing is doing something which Thich Nhat Hanh said to me when I was at Plum Village for a, um, a summer retreat and I was finding it very difficult in the afternoons where the schedule was me time. And we weren't allowed to have um, any communication. There was no phones, no laptops. We weren't allowed to bring books, no pens, nothing. And in the afternoon, I was going through the first week feeling very frustrated, very agitated. I just didn't know what to do with myself. And he said, doing nothing is doing something. Just sit under a tree. And I think that kind of links in with your five minutes, your reading, mm. but taking five minutes or whatever to do nothing. You're still doing something. I think, I don't know about you, but I was brought up in a, a very busy household. And I can't remember the saying, but it's something like many hands make light work. Yeah. You know, God forbid you should be sat around doing nothing. You'd be given a job to do, set the table, do the dishes, help your mum, uh, <laughs> do whatever. Um, so now as an adult, practicing doing nothing is, you know, for me quite important and therapeutic and relaxing. So that's my top tip. Um, practice the mantra that doing nothing is doing something. Yeah. And that doing nothing is going to be, you know, doing nothing in the bath, doing nothing while you're reading a book, doing nothing while you're having your cup of coffee. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Just taking some time to yourself. Uh, and actually, you've raised um, a fabulous point there because 
you know, we're all we all grow up in different environments. Yeah. I mean, you grew up in a busy household. Mm. I grew up in a completely different environment where there was always something happening, but it never felt busy. Mm. And I can remember as a child, um, you know, I grew up in Malawi, which is fantastic, and we grew we we lived in town. But we had this opportunity regularly to go up to the lake. And although I only have one brother, I grew up with five boys. Mm. And um, I was the second oldest of this group. And sometimes little boys gang up on, ganged up on me, which was fine. That was little boys. And I used to go away, find my little corner and read a book. Mm. And it was great because I'd come back and, you know, one of the mothers, my mother or one of the others would say, you know, are you okay? And it's like, yeah, I'm fine. And they'd say, boy, these boys have been manic all day. It's like, have they? But because I learned how to have that space to myself, yeah. it didn't matter what was happening around me. You know, I mean, there we were, three families, you know, 12 people in this house. You yeah. can imagine the, the chaos and the manic and the busy going on. Yeah. But I'd learned how to, to let that go, yeah. Yeah, not, not to have it around me. Mm. And I know that when I first moved to, to Europe and, and to the UK and I was living in a, a busy city and traveling into London, I mean, that whole environment of, of manic energy. Mm. Um, and because of the, you know, what I experienced as a child, I was able to let it go. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of people hold it. Mm. And you know, then you get the other extreme of people who live, you know, who grew up well, you know, in the environment you and I live in, with nothing around them, space. Mm -hmm. And they grow up with that nothing, you know, that, that calmness and that, that yeah. in wonderful environment, uh, space and, and, and feeling. It doesn't mean they're doing nothing. Mm -hmm. It just okay. means that, you know, it's a different way of thinking, and of course it's a different energy levels. And I think it doesn't matter how you grew up, you know, and whether you grew up with the quietness around you or you grew up, grew up with the manic of the city around you. The whole secret about self-care for me is finding that five minutes to do nothing. Mm. And the nothing has to be your choice. Mm. You know, um, you talked about sitting there, you know, sitting under a tree and doing nothing, which is doing something. And it is because you're calming your mind, you're calming your body, yeah. calming your spirit, you're calming everything down. For me, um, my favorite place of meditation is on the beach and I don't have a beach close by. So my calming is to read. Mm -hmm. You know, that takes me away from the busy around me. Mm. Uh, and it gives me that self-care. And like you, you know, light the candles, go to the bath, I take a book. Mm. And heaven help the person, mm -hmm. four-legged or two-legged, mm. <laughs> who disturbs me yeah. um, while I'm there. But mm. the one thing I'd like to bring to everyone's attention, really, is Dawn, you run this fabulous thing called Walk As You Talk, mm. which is all about people going on structured walks mm -hmm. at their own pace, not yeah. frog-marched everywhere, yeah, yeah. Um, with a group of people that they may or may not know. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, that crossed my mind, I'm a great person for meditating outside. Mm. It's one of my favorite things. Mm. And I was thinking, you know, here's a fabulous exercise for people who go on your walk as you talk. Mm -hmm. um, or you could do it anyway. But I mean, I would actually go with Dawn because she would help you and teach you how to do this. Mm 
But while you're walking through the environment, you know, with the, the trees or nature or the cattle or sheep or whatever it is around you, as I discovered last weekend, llamas, mm. um, just let your mind go. Ask yourself, you know, one question or can, just think about that one thing that's worrying you or focus on a goal. And let your mind go. Take in the trees, the way the leaves are moving, the way the wind is rustling through them. Just take in the, the colours around you, you know, the, the different greens of the grass. And sadly, if you're here at the moment, as we are in France, the brown grass, because there's yeah. been no rain for a while. But take in the colours, the different colours of the trees. Take in the way that the different trees move. Just, just let it flow through you. And let your mind go and go into a meditative state. Not so much that you actually don't know where you're putting one foot in front of the other because you need to be able to follow that path. But just look at your environment around you and let your mind go free, completely free. There'll be conversation going on around you. Somebody might talk to you. You might respond. It doesn't matter. Um, just go with flow. And I know that's a, an overused phrase at the moment, but it, it, it allows you to, to actually stop worrying about things. And it allows you to focus on you for a while and yourself. And when you end that walk, just take two or three minutes, pick up your journal and write down the thoughts you've got right now. Don't interpret them. Don't try and understand them. Don't even worry about where they came from. Just write them down. Mm. Close the journal and go back into the group of people you were with mm. and start to come back into, you know, what they enjoyed about the walk, didn't enjoy about the walk, whatever, whatever the conversation is. And for me, it's a great way of finding things that, you know, the answers you're looking for. It's a great, great way of giving yourself some time to help yourself do something. Mm. So contact Dawn if you want to go on a walk as you talk. Yeah, I mean, we do the, the walking meditation as well uh, as, you know, being able to do what you've just described, a proper guided walking meditation. And it mm. really is a wonderful me time type exercise. So in our last 15 minutes, um, I thought it'd be a good idea if we lumped together a couple of the common coaching scenarios and, and questions that we've had and just very briefly put it all together and, and, and do a bit of a summary. What do you think, Barbara? I think that's probably a good idea. Okay. So the first one then is what is self-care anyway? I mean, we've given some ideas, but I think essentially it's about adopting some positive daily habits, they might be very small, like five minutes mm -hmm. uh, reading, but keep you happy, sane, healthy, and balanced. And for a lot of people who, for whatever reason, whether it's gender, time, um, uh, cultural, you know, they, they're not familiar with self-care. But a good example that um, is touted about is, you know, air hostesses on the plane, they say, in the event of an emergency, put your own mask on first before helping others. And there's a very good reason for that. Mm. And I'll come back to that in a moment. But what, if anything, would you like to add to that, Barbara, in terms of what is self-care? Well, self-care for me is truly the opportunity 
to um, replenish your own batteries before you carry on. Yeah, I like that. So, you know, we all get tired. We've all got a lot to do. We're all rushing around in this busy, manic world. There's a lot of expectation on each one of us. Mm. But somehow you've got to replenish your batteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and self-care is about that. Mm. Yeah, I often say to Robert, if, if he, he says to me, oh, how, how's your day or how are you feeling? I say, he kind of describes me like Tigger. I'm usually very, very high energy. And I'll say, the air's going out of my balloon. <laughs> uh, it's the same sort of thing. Then that's kind of like a mantra that makes me think, ah, oh, I haven't done anything for myself today. I haven't had five minutes. So that's, that's quite useful. Yeah. Okay, so the next question is, why is it so important? So to continue the analogy about the air hostess, the reason why it's important to put your own face mask on before you can help others is because if you're so busy helping somebody else to put their face mask on and then you pass out for a lack of oxygen, you can't help anybody else. But if you put your face mask on first, you can then help maybe a dozen people get their face masks on. So it's about having the intelligence to experience and know the difference between selflessness and selfishness so but when you look I, for yourself I, yeah. yeah can i add to that because, yeah yeah um i can remember you know living in central africa we had to fly most places we wanted to go and i can remember as a young child one of the mothers saying to the air hostess but i want to get that mask on my child first mm. because you know that's the caring side of a mother that's yeah. standard you know without thinking Mum's going to do something for the for the kid, yeah, or the children, and the air hostess saying, "If you don't put yours on, will you survive this to be able to look after your child?" Yeah, and actually, that's what self care is about. Yeah, if you don't self care for yourself, how can you carry on? Mm -hmm. And it was such a good question. It's always stayed with me that. Mm. Yeah. So the next question we has we had was when and where is the best time to do this to look after yourself to do some self care. Mm. And my feeling is that for everyone it's different. Yeah. Some people might do it first thing in the morning. Some people might do it last thing at night. Some people might do it during lunchtime. Yeah. But really. A good time to actually think about yourself is when you start to feel stressed. Mm. It's actually worth, and, and again, I've got a fabulous example of this. Mm. Years ago, some VAT rules were changing in the UK, and I was working for a company who said, oh, Barbara, you understand all of this stuff. Can you do the presentations? Right. I've never done a presentation in my life before. And there I was being told to stand in front of like 200 to 500 people, and explain these new rules, which mm. I didn't understand and nor did customs and excise. They were brand new and we were all trying to get to grips with them. But anyway, and I remember going on a, a workshop beforehand um, and the, the, the trainer, the tutor of, of the workshop saying to me, take five deep breaths and go to the ladies. Mm. And this is in the 1980s. Um, and I said to her, why the lady? She said, because 90% of the people you'll be presenting to are men. They mm. won't come into the ladies. And she said, always think about you before you walk onto that stage. Right. 
Because if you don't think about you and you're thinking about what you're going to tell them, you're thinking about them. Mm. What are they going to ask you? You're thinking about them. Mm. How are you going to do this calmly, collectively and professionally? Mm. So it doesn't actually matter when Mm. you do your self-care. It matters what and how you become aware of it. So, you know, if you're stressed, it's actually a really good time to do it. If you're feeling concerned about having to do something, like, I mean, I had a fear of doing these presentations. Mm. It doesn't worry me now because I've done many, but, you know, those first few were were horrific. Mm. Her advice was great. It was Mm. just give yourself time to breathe. Mm -hmm. And by taking those five deep breaths, I was focusing on me. Mm-hmm. and then walking onto the stage wasn't that difficult mm-hmm. it wasn't great but it wasn't that difficult mm-hmm. so I think that's actually a good one when's the best time to do it is really become aware for yourself mm-hmm. I personally feel last thing at night mm-hmm. because that way you know you go to sleep calm mm-hmm. and you get the best rest you can possibly get mm-hmm. But I also know people who have busy, manic jobs who like doing it first thing in the morning. So when they go into that busy, manic, they're ready for it. To me, it's your choice. What would you do, Dawn? Well, I think, um, yeah, you're right when you're stressed. Also, as I say, when I feel that there's, you know, not very much air left in my balloon, then it's an indicator. It's a wake-up call for me. I'm tired. I need to do something for me. And that normally means I need to build variety. I need to do something different. Um, So I think the variety to avoid boredom is quite important. But um, trying to do something small every day to have that positive daily habit. So, you know, on a Tuesday for me, it's painting. Um, On a Wednesday, it's walking with my buddy. Uh, on Thursday it's my French conversation just something every day that is for me Um, and I think that is the variety is what makes it um, so satisfying but it doesn't have to be big things like that it can literally just be the five minutes yeah so just to to recap I mean we talked about having the wheel of life and this wheel of life is about you it's about self-care it's about you as a person not about you as a giver and you as thinking of somebody else. Mm. It's about finding your own peace of mind. Mm. It's about the, the me time. You know, as Dawn's been talking about, she does things for herself. For me, you know, it's just, it's just that five minutes to read. It's that five minutes that you need. It's that me time. Mm. It's your physical body, being aware of, you know, what you're doing with and in your physical body. It's about communication, you know, Talking to people is the way you'd want them talking to you, but also about how you talk to yourself. Mm. Because, you know, if you turn around and say, oh, I've got to do this and I'm in a panic and I need to do this now, mm. that's not self-care. No. But And I learned this the other day in puppy training. It's about calming yourself down and mm. talking calmly. Yeah. And puppy gets calm, apparently. Mm-hmm. more on that in other shows yeah. it's so about what would be other barriers to self-care just while we're wrapping up that people might be thinking well the barriers are always you yeah the, exactly. barrier, the barriers are you it, yeah. the barriers are nothing else yeah. you know and, and we really will talk about this a lot more in next 
month's show when we're talking about time because often the barriers are I haven't got time mm-hmm. but you know what you have mm. um, it's off so so for me the only barrier is me mm. I can't mm. blame that on anybody else and the benefits I would say to practicing self-care are increased self-esteem which absolutely raises your confidence and makes you a more attractive person to be around yeah so this this fabulous quote that says you must love yourself before you can love another Mm. by accepting yourself and fully being what you are you simply present yourself and you can make others happy And, you know, it's not always about love. We're talking about love in a, in a more generic, in a bigger, in a bigger way here. Mm. But there's a lovely Karl Lagerfeld quote that I've come across many times that says, don't sacrifice yourself too much because if you sacrifice too much, there's nothing else that you can give. And you know what? Nobody else will care about you. Mm. So think about, you know, as I said to that, that student on my course, if, no, if you don't care about your life, who else will? Yeah. So let's hope that, you know, people listening have taken a lot away from this. But as always, send us your questions, please. Yeah. Um, I've put our email addresses there. Go to our website. You'll find our hints, tools, tips, and um, wheel of life there, as we always do. And we look forward to talking to you again as always as I say we do want your questions because it helps us understand what you're looking for under our headings but next month we'll be talking about your time Mm. and we'll be exploring strategies for effective time management both at home and in the workplace to help you become more organized less overwhelmed less stressed and much more in control of your own time And if you're in control of your own time, all of these things fall into place, your self-care, all of it. So I look forward to chatting to you again, Dawn, Mm. in the next month. Thank you. And um, helping everybody find how they can find their own time. Yeah, and I think the timing of that show is perfect because the summer holidays are over and people are just entering the last quarter of the year. So that'll be good. So 22nd of August, 2015 at 7am UK time on Coach Radio International. We'll look forward to talking to you then. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye.